0: This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry.
1: episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril with Insider Perks here as always with Kara Sismati from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, who is a little bit under the weather, so we hope you feel better, Kara. Probably nobody would have noticed that, but I just felt we should do a sympathy play on the show, just in case you say something later what? that you regret or something like okay, that. You just blame another sickness. Uh, super glad to be here for our recurring episode. First of the month, we have our open discussion panel. We are missing a ton of people today. We've got Scott Boos is in an airplane somewhere. I think Mark Cap is coming back from the California show and said he was stuck in a blizzard somewhere. Sandy's traveling. I feel like somebody else is missing too that I'm forgetting, but Mike and Christine are here. So
2: I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but I have a filler topic in case you guys can't think of anything. I think we just need to basically, let's start the show. Let's care. What do you think the over under is of how many times Brian says the word AI? I think we have to limit him to using it twice in an hour.
0: Twice would be nice.
2: And I can talk about it without saying it.
0: (laughs) Nope. So the thing that shall not be named.
1: Anyway, what's on your guys' desk? What's come across in the last month that you guys are interested in talking about that you've seen trends in the industry?
2: What have we seen CRR specifically? Obviously, as we talked last time, we launched our third-party management service. So we're pretty excited to offer that to the, the industry. So we've been going through a lot of inquiries and vetting properties and seeing what we can do to help properties enhance their NOI.
1: I'm curious with that, Mike, and I don't want you to divulge any secrets about CRR, but there are so many of these management companies, and obviously we have a relationship with you, so we know more about what you do than a lot of the other management. But what do you feel has to be a difference maker when somebody's looking for management of a property? And obviously everybody's different. Everybody's looking for their own unique thing. But. There's only so many ways to do accounting and financing and recommend construction of sites. And so what really has to set you apart, do you think, to be a difference maker in this? I think
2: what you just said, there's only so many ways to do it. I don't know if that's a true. I think there's many ways to do it and how you approach it and okay. your level of detail and competence and professionalism or analytics. Those are all difference makers. So how do we approach things differently? I think we definitely look at things as experiential hospitality right? We don't just look at it as a transaction property. What is unique to the area? And as we know, our primary goal is we focus on revenue enhancement. We think that is the key to driving, obviously, owner profit, NOI, and asset value. So we focus on that considerably, whether it's through marketing, whether it's through experience, or whether it's through its activities, or whether it's through ancillary, as many ways as we can to drive revenue. And then to your point, how many ways can you slice an egg? I think I just made up a new analogy. I've never heard that. But how many ways can you slice an egg, Kara? You need to research this and tell Uh, us about the show. But I think our vision is evolving the industry for the modern world. What we found is a lot of the campgrounds and resorts are a little bit antiquated, both in their systems and their approach and whether it's operational efficiencies or labor management or energy analytics, or it doesn't mean that people aren't working hard and grinding. Absolutely. You can see people are passionate about this business. But flying principles of analytics and data and efficiency, that's what we do. We're a bunch of nerds, maybe not as much as Brian, but for the most part, we're a bunch of nerds that that are about process improvement and everything we do. So I think that's how we look at it a little bit differently.
1: But just to clarify, I'm a geek. My apologies. Yeah.
2: Yeah. My apologies.
1: I I was a nerd. When I was younger, because I had glasses, that's the difference ah. between nerds and. Oh, colors. I've got
2: glasses. So has the pocket protector yet? Because I don't wear it, yeah. so I haven't had the opportunity to test that. But we'll call ourselves nerds. We're proud nerds. We are. Curiosity is one of our values, so we're definitely nerds. Um, it was actually really interesting, and I don't want to talk about this too long. But I was watching a video about
1: the different types of personalities who, who will be best set up to win the future or whatever in all things technology. And I haven't said the word yet, by the way, but it was all things technology. And they were talking about generalists and polymaths. And I'd never heard that word before, but it's really interesting that I think it's a lot of my personality and how I know a little bit about everything, but I'm not a jack of all trades because I specialize in a couple things really well still. So interesting. And how that kind of analogy when we were talking.
2: There you go, that you'll be successful in the future. Pran, yeah. we're, we're no, it was you. just
1: one guy's YouTube video you, opinion,
2: right? I don't If really you know. use those things that won't be named, that'll probably help you as well. But it is an around. interesting point about being a
1: generalist. When everybody has always told me, as long as I've grown up and what I've heard in schooling and things, right? You have to pick one area to go into. You have to specialize in something specific and be the best you can at it. But maybe that doesn't fit everybody. And maybe that's not really a good strategy for the future when certain tools will be able to do one thing very well and leave you with no
2: alternative. I grew up in this world as a general manager and what I always told everybody is I generally manage. I know a lot about a little or a little about a lot, whichever way you want to frame it. And I think when you become a business leader, a business owner, an enterprise leader, how can you not? The successful folks absolutely know about insurance or law or business or finance or construction or guest service or operations. And if you can't, it's to your own detriment. Yeah, I think certainly we all start off with our area of focus, whatever it might be. And then if you evolve, you have to evolve, then you got to pick up some of those other skills along the way. So my thought anyway.
1: Yeah, it just, it stuck out in my mind because one of the quotes they were saying was like, you don't want to mess with a guy like that who's having fun while he works, which was really interesting to me because that's what I, that's what I posted on LinkedIn yesterday. I'm legit having fun doing all of this. So good. But anyway, geeks and nerds turned into that. But what else do we have? Christine, what's going on in your I, world?
3: I guess I can tell you that uh yeah. ever-increasing tide of employment coming in. Yeah. So very careful for how you're managing your employees, how you're hiring your employees, and how you're firing your employees. Because I woke up this morning to yet another campground being steered on unemployment. So yeah. they are quite prolific right
1: now. Now, here's an interesting, so you talked about, this is what we talked about last month, right? You went into depth about, we were talking about work campers and things like that. And you are a little bit quiet with your mic, but I can hear you. I can make it out, but you're a little bit quiet. And so what do you, just briefly recap this for us so we don't need to deep dive into it like we did before, but briefly recap for those of us who who weren't watching last month or, right.
3: Yeah, okay, so I'll speak a little louder instead of playing with
0: technology.
3: So generally, the employment law can be all sorts of things, and what I'm talking about is there's a couple of realms. So part of that could be like we're misclassifying the employee, we're calling them one thing when they're really another. So in some cases, people have independent contractors that aren't independent contractors, right. shouldn't have volunteers, need to understand the different Regarding overtime, what an exempt and non-exempt employee is and what that really means. There's frequency of pay, like how often you have to pay people, what tax withholding you have to do. And then what other kind of side of the coin of that is that how you're managing them. So seems weird, but as the employer, you're responsible for how your employees treat each other. And if you don't handle situation where someone's treating somebody incorrectly, whether it's a sexual harassment issue or discrimination issue or something like that, you're a looped in as the employer because you have a duty to your employees to provide a safe environment. And if you're not, immediately you need to that. So there's a lot of places where you can get sued for employment issues and things can't dull it up. I have never had so many employing a lot of cases.
1: Now, here's the question, and I want to keep this serious, but also, what it constitutes a safe environment? If you run a glamping resort on the side of a volcano, can you be sued for
3: that? Kind of. So there's physical safety, and then there's kind of emotional safety. Yeah, I guess is another way to talk right. about that. So is emotional
1: the, is the more important, important, is what you're saying.
3: It's what more lawsuits they're about, you, really. Physical safety, you are generally know what you're getting. It. They don't be employed at a job on the side of a volcano. So if they tried to come back later and be like, "I applied to the volcano resort," and they their attraction is that it goes off every five minutes, and I. are actually
1: a really cool attraction. I don't
3: yeah, you have to very
1: yeah. strategically don't. position the tents, but.
3: I'm not sure you'll find anyone to ensure that, but. So that's like your physical seat. Also in that realm is, and unfortunately a discussion we've been having a lot. Unfortunately, Hot Button is active shooter because you have to provide some safety in that realm as well. Been hours talking about active shooter policy, but that's the physical thing. If I also get word that I have a particular guest that's super aggressive or violent. I can even remember when I was a kid, this camper got really mad and we had glass doors to our store. So his like last report was to punch the glass door. Then I was standing on the other side of very aggressive. I worked for my family, but a little different. But if I was just a regular employee, that employer would have a duty to remove that guest to see the physical safety of the individual. Well. But the other piece of that, when I kind of like called emotional safety, what's that piece as well? If someone approaches you that another employee is making them uncomfortable, you know, passing bad comments or physically trying to grab them or treating them differently or saying all sorts of things. I've had things from people harassing their coworkers with certain songs to try to get a message across. That sounds crazy, but given the lyrics in some of these songs and what they were referring to and race of the individual or the religion of the individual that knew what they were being harassed for. If I, as an employer, get wind of that, I have to
0: do something immediately.
3: I also can't try to have blissful ignorance. I can't be so hands-off that I'm like, I have no idea this was going on. That's not going to fly either. You got to check in with your business to make sure that your employees are treating each other correctly. You know, that's a duty that you have that I can't just like vein off on somebody else. So those are the realms. And the laws have been shifting. Like, for example, in New York, it used to be that the harassment or the discrimination had to be what we call pervasive and severe. But they actually changed it now that it has to be more than petty and trivial. So the standard has come down a lot. So before I could knock out for the these being like, oh, them making one comment one time, is severe. But now I think petty and trivial, like that's a pretty low bar. I have a duty, even me as a law firm, have a duty to providing environment. So if I had a client who was super aggressive to one of my fellow attorneys here. I would have a duty as their employer to cease that relationship and protect them is there
1: a danger in overreacting if you're an employee because i'm listening to you think i'm listening to you describe some of these employees who would sing songs or do gross things right like my like i would fire them in 10 seconds is there i know you're shaking your head mike but that would be my instinct
3: right no no i'm not
1: saying i would actually do it but that would be what i would want to do so is there a danger in overreacting
3: no actually that's a better response than doing nothing the alternative is some people have a demerit system and the complaint system. usually firing stutter the only time termination can get you in trouble is if you had an employment contract and that wasn't one of the reasons you could terminate somebody for and then they try to sue you for the remaining term of the contract so well, why
1: are, are you shaking your well. head mike i'm talking to be clear i'm talking about firing
2: the person who's doing the harassing uh, i i at first, though, I was chuckling because when you were just saying fire him immediately, I just I figured you'd have a specific tool do it for you Maybe. via text. But I just and thirty years in the hospitality industry, I've seen my share of associate issues. And and Christine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the very last thing you do is you make an immediate decision without so yeah conducting yeah. an investigation, and because you never know you know what comes of it and. You have to be careful of you know, retaliation claims or are they high yeah. risk? What's the risk category that everybody belongs to? And it, it's well, a mess.
0: It is. And you also have to
3: treat everybody the same. So, for example, if I got word that Brian was making mean comments tonight, but I knew Kara was also doing it, I couldn't fire Brian if I oh, yeah. because I wouldn't be treating them the same. So you have to treat everybody it's identically. True. You should investigate. I'd have had false complaints. I hope so you should do that. But if the result is that the complaint is valid, there should be some repercussion for doing it. no, right. no it yeah. immediate immediately termination? Maybe not. But is it like, here is your final warning or here's some kind of demerit system, whatever it is, there should be something. Because if the person who was the victim goes and reports you to whether it's the OC or the state human rights board. Your number one defense is going to be, I followed our procedure. This is a procedure I follow all the time. I looked into it and, you know, this, I did do something. I didn't just ignore when Kara came and complained about Brian.
1: It's it's a really interesting dynamic to me, right? Because obviously I would do an investigation because somebody could be retaliating or making up something that somebody's saying, right? It's different if it happened right in front of you. But it's a really interesting dynamic on how you react to that, right? Because let's say you do an investigation and you come to the conclusion that it wasn't that. But then the employee who feels like they were a victim, assuming they were being legit, is actually unhappy when they come to work now because they feel like you didn't side with them. And maybe they're still nervous around that employee. It's a. Man, it can yeah. be a minefield.
3: It can. And like I said, nothing stops anyone pursuing you. So as long as she, that person, we'll say with Kara, is still within the time frame. Usually, depending on what it is and where you are, could be between a year and three years. They could still bring that complaint, even if I had done everything correctly and came to the conclusion that there was nothing actionable there. I would just want to make sure that before any of these situations happen, I had some kind of internal policy and procedure that, you know, this manager is the one who does those investigations every time. So that way, if I had to defend myself, I could be like, look, Mike knows what he's doing. He's done this every time. This is the perceived error report. To Mike, he did this investigation. This is what we uncovered. Could this people have heard me say forever? Nothing stops anyone from suing you. You just make it go away quicker. So that would be the thing. The other thing Mike touched on, which is also super important, is if they could tie it to something else that you did wrong, termination is a little scary. So if there was, if Brian, was harassing Mike and I'm like cool I'm going to remove that but I knew also that Carol had been harassing Brian for something
1: all the time that happens
3: because of something and he could maybe make a claim that I didn't fire him because of him harassing Mike but I really fire him because of the discriminatory things that were happening on the other side. So it's always good to keep really good records about employee kind of behavior. Just even if it's an email that you could temporarily send yourself or someone else, there was this incident, got it here. So that way I could show that I fired them because of X and not what they're alleging, like why? So, you know, that is really important. We have what we call in the United States anyway, protected characteristics, which can be free gender, gender identity, sexual preference, all these sorts of things, national origin. And you would never want them to be able to hide. to that. The other new one that keeps cropping up everywhere is as marijuana is legalized, a lot of these laws say you can't penalize people for recreational marijuana. That's Uh, interesting. Yeah. So when it first rolled out in New York, so a couple summers ago, there was a case where this employee got hurt on the job. And pursuant to this employer's internal policy, when got buffer, because workers call they used to immediately send them for drug testing. And one of the drugs they tested for was marijuana. And in New York, for example, you can no longer test for that because it stays in your system so long that the time frame in which they would still pop a positive versus them working doesn't the line up anymore. So they blanket fired that because they tested positive for marijuana. And they actually had to undo that whole termination, pay the person for the time here. They were fired and rehire them because that was no longer something they could fire them for. They tried to say afterwards that they fired them because he wasn't a great employee and stuff like that. But that wasn't the picture they painted. Do you have to, if you were not in the thick of it, if someone was looking on the outside, which link would they draw to less if that you fired them for their marijuana usage or whether you fired them because they were a bad employee. And if it, so, if it's enough that you can establish a causal link between the that thing you shouldn't fire them for, you're going to have a bit of a battle.
1: So. A lot of this is really fascinating to me because I like, I've always been like on the, I don't, I don't think I've ever drug tested an employee or alcohol tested <laughs> employee. Like my line, it's not, I don't know if you don't know what's really stated in the employee handbook, but my line is like, as long as it doesn't impact your performance, when you're working for me, do whatever you want. I don't want to know. I don't care. Like, I know Mike, I'm just telling you, like, I'm not saying I'm encouraging the activity or if I knew about it, I wouldn't consider thoughtfully what would, but I don't like what you do in your personal time. If it is not impacting work or your performance or your relationship with your colleagues or anything that I would normally oversee, then I think you should have a little bit of flexibility. Not to do things that are illegal, but you should have. He,
3: every person can choose within certain realms what they want to do. But again, whatever policy or procedure you put in, you better be enforcing that against everybody. I have some people are like, man, I really like Mike though. So Mike gets the pass, but Carol on the other hand. Oh,
1: it's different, Mike. I want I you to that. explain, please, why you're shaking your head. But no, it's different when you're like. Guiding RVs into sites, and then they can prove that, right? So, like, all my employees are remote and they work from home. So, it's definitely different for me.
0: That operating heavy equipment, all those things were huge factors. So, just
1: I'm only speaking from myself and my perspective, but please expand on it, Mike, if you have something to say. I just yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm
2: happy to listen. It's and I fall in the Christine world where we mitigate risk. And when I hear you say things like, you know, what you do on your, hotel, like, we wouldn't even say that, right? We no, have a handbook. I, I would never say that. And Christine's going to have to represent. I, no, I um,
1: didn't qualify and say, that's not in my employee handbook. And I don't like tell it each other.
2: That's why I shook my head. Cause you did say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked, but no, that's why we have in the associate handbook. We, we have very clear guidelines about, and I've, we've had both. I've worked for companies that require the drug testing after an incident like Christine. And we had a lot of discussions about our own handbook about, you know, do we want to require drug testing? And so we currently don't just anybody's curious, but we do have strict alcohol and drug policy guidelines. And we've had, I used to work in Denver and that was, I think the first city that passed a recreational drug use. And we had multiple properties there and we had to look at revising our drug policy. And we're going years ago, right? Maybe four or five years ago, we removed it from our, our testing criteria. And that was a big discussion. Right. And it will continue to be a big discussion, you know, about that. And that's like you said, it's a little bit of a nebulous, ambiguous, especially since it varies from state to state. And so well,
0: there the problem can be magnified with operators whose staff often lives on site. Like if you have work campers living on site, now you have this. Kind of blurred line around what's your time and what's business time and when are you representing? Boy, that's a minefield.
3: And besides all of that, we're going to get into other piece of it. It's not the flag. How many work campers are listening now? But not a flag for a lot of people. A lot of people have the work campers as their easy security option, right? They pass them that phone call and they're like, hey, if anybody call, you'll handle it. And technically, then we put them on what we call on call hours. So if they're not allowed to leave the property because they're the one, technically should be paying them for every hour they're in possession of that security phone, which would accrue some really fun overtime hours for most. but they aren't usually they're like oh no one ever called that phone so i don't pay them but they could i was just at the new york spring conference meetings last week and i had one woman reach out to me and said that she has no work campers anymore because she got turned to be the Department of Labor five times it, and you're not wrong
1: but you're also the, just to say it like because I used to work for a cable company and we used to be on call to do outages and things like that and so we were on call during the Super Bowl and we couldn't drink during the Super Bowl because you might get called out and you might have to go up a ladder and you might so it's the same thing with having that phone right
3: that you it, it inhibits you such that you couldn't do whatever you wanted with your life that you're still a working hour at that point and should be paid for it. It's crazy. And I'll keep saying it because I think people need to know it. We I, when we all got locked in our homes in 2020, we all started looking at the Internet a lot more connected forums and things like that. And it also caused people to share a lot of information. And, and disgruntled employees are sharing this information. They'll be like, oh, my manager, Mike, sent me the thing. And everyone will be like, oh, yeah. They totally sue them for this and this. And do they do this? Because if not, you should file a complaint on this them.
1: Is we have Mike on the show, by the way.
3: Starting to beat him up. But they're not wrong, is the problem is that even though they might be a little bombastic in what they think they'll recover from that, they're not wrong in their claim. And I hate a pro se client because the judges give deference to them that they're navigating it by themselves and stuff. And there's no reasonable party to negotiate with but it's prepping and they keep bringing these and they're getting out. When some of that's just the economy of doing business, but it's not great, it's not going away. So like we used to be able to do interesting operational practices 10, 20 years ago, but that's not the environment we're in anymore. People are paying attention to camping, which is great in a lot of aspects, but it also means that they're paying attention to us. Party do
1: yeah, let's flip this around. No culture is a big thing at CRR. So, what are some mm-hmm. of the ways that you feel people can head some of these things off before they happen?
2: Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about that as Christine's talking about it. How do you mitigate all these opportunities? And no one's immune, right? It right. happens if you're a top workplace in the country, you're still going to have an incident or two. But I think we conduct an associate survey a couple times a year and we take those seriously and we create action plans and we listen to their feedback and we take actions on that. So I think you know, that's part of it. A, Also, if you ever have to defend yourself to Christine's point, if you can demonstrate that we take feedback seriously, here are the things we've done. Here's an example of our behaviors. It's in the risk world. It's a defensible argument, but just in a general culture creating world, if your associates believe you listen, in general, you're going to lessen the feeling of bitterness or cynicism towards your organization. If you are consistent, Christine mentioned this a couple of times. I think if you're consistent in your administration of policy procedure, hiring, recruiting, promotion, coaching and counseling, performance management, et cetera. That will go a long way too. There's nothing worse than when somebody can call out five times and they don't get addressed and somebody calls out once and they get a write-up. People, associates talk, right? why they get a write-up or they didn't and I did, et cetera. So you gotta be consistent in your policy administration. You're right about the feedback though. And I
1: don't want to interrupt you. I want you to continue, but you're sure. right about the feedback. Like we use this in Slack. Which automates all kinds of surveys on how you're doing and what you're feeling, and some of it's anonymous and some of it's public. You can set up all these custom templates to do agile surveys and daily syncs and team bonding and team well-being and how's your mental health, and all this stuff goes out all over our Slack almost no, notice, every
2: day in different ways. Notice the name. Notice the name in the top left. Geekbot. I know, not Nerdbot. Yeah, not Nerdbot, but, but Geekbot. And I think listen, we as a startup company, certainly we've had our own share of hiccups in how we've we've had some turnover in certain areas at times as we our way. What I think we try and land on always is hire for our values. So yeah. we don't necessarily hire for technical experience, but we're looking at positivity as one of our values right? We want no negativity, gossip, soap opera stuff occurring. And if you land on that, you're going to reduce your, and you can never predict it perfectly, right? You don't know who takes somebody is. Take 75% of it out um, before it even begins. Sure. Yeah. But if, if they don't resonate right with you in the beginning, he's probably got antenna up for a reason. If you're hiring for your values that, you know, you're going to, to your point, filter out, hopefully, less propensity to hire a bad egg. So it's a two-part relationship, right? You want to hire the right associate, There's nothing to do. You could never a Celtics fan to be a Lakers fan. It's impossible. And so if you hire a bad associate, there's nothing you can do sometimes if they think a particular way. But then the company also has the obligation to administer consistently as we've talked about. So it is a two-part relationship to get that success formula to try and create that environment. We got It's interesting because Chris or Kara had mentioned operations. We just, our latest associate survey was above in the the mid-90s, which is an excellent score. But we've, there's not as many operations people in the census survey as there will be when we have the other three resorts open in the next couple months. And I fully expect that that score will go down just because the nature of operations versus a at-home there's a lot more dissatisfiers. Right. Can see your fellow associates not pulling their weight, being treated differently. I'm happy about this. I don't have the right tools and supplies to do that. And we'll, we should still have a good solid score, probably a mid high eighties, but based on certainly our experience in the hotel hospitality industry, operations businesses are just, they're grind and it's hard to be perfect. You can only hope to be excellent or really in any circumstance.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, and I, Gary V originally said this, I think, but I've picked it up for several years that hiring is guessing and firing is knowing. But that part, like when you're talking to this guy, you take Kendra all the time who does my HR. Cause I'll interview somebody. I'll just hire him immediately. Cause you can, and, and to be clear, I've made mistakes. Like, but I've learned over the years and I've only think I've only hired two people that I can't even say I regret hiring them, but that didn't turn out to be the same personality I thought they were or the same work ethic I thought they were. But most people like, I don't know. It's interesting how you can refine it over the years, especially, I'm sure you understand this a little bit, Mike, being in this area for so long, you learn what to look for.
2: Yeah, I think that the real challenge is if you're not always the hiring manager, right? in a larger company, yeah. if you're relying on other people, so I've got very good intuition. My, my staff, I've got very good antenna. I can usually get a sense of a person. I talk to them, but not everybody's got that antenna. And so somebody else is interviewing and making a decision. You got to trust that their antenna is good. And they've got the particular interview criteria that they're looking at, that they're getting to the you heart. of that, right? If
1: you're the person who hired that person and they turned out exactly how you thought, then those person... Those people probably have some kind of emotional intelligence that would lend itself to not again, yes, it's more of a chance if it's not you, but
2: yeah it's just it's a different level right and so yes and maybe you've only had two two regrets but again larger company you have and it's cascades in a larger organization right if you got a corporate structure and then you get properties and i don't see every housekeeper that we hire or, right i never would yeah and um, that's different that's definitely
1: difficult across multiple locations yeah. in person and all and, that stuff I and
2: know. so you're you're relying on that general manager sorry Kara, you're relying on that general manager to make that good hiring decision and make those good hr decision so that it doesn't get to Christine. And that's the real trick. Go ahead, Kara. I'm sorry. I'm terrified of it. Go ahead, Kara. And then I'll talk. Oh, oh, go
0: ahead. I was just going to say, in my experience, I obviously had a much smaller team, but it often felt almost like a house of cards for me, where if one thing anywhere in the piece, in the team piece came out, sometimes the whole thing would crumble down. You really not only are trying to find individuals who have the values and things that you're looking for but then you also have to manage all these interconnected relationships and putting people in the right spot with the right colleague it's it is it's, it's for me it was the biggest puzzle piece that i was constantly stressing about and shuffling in those days of my life honestly. i'm
1: terrified of when i get big enough that I can't have those personal. I can't be the one to hire. I'm terrified. I'm at 19, 20 now, I think something like that. I just hired three more people last week, but I'm terrified of that. I still have one-on-ones with my team once a month, every single person gets 15 minutes once a month directly with me in my calendar. And I'm terrified of the day. I won't be able to do that anymore.
2: Can it happen. But. And hopefully you have, and I work with a previous company who I started with and they were smaller and then they grew to a billion dollar company and culture changes every time you add one person, right? And as you grow, things happen and scale changes. And that's things I talked to my team. I said, the thing that I want to protect against is how do we keep our integrity to our values, right? Our culture is absolutely going to change. You can't help it when you add another person. It's going to evolve, adapt, modify, however. But if whether you're at 75 associates or 750 associates, can you still, because you're at the larger level, there's, it's impossible to touch every associate, right? It's impossible to have influence over every decision. And so hopefully you've trained well enough. You've made enough good hiring decisions. You have enough structure that it can be consistent, which seems like a hallmark word several times today. And and part of that
1: I've explained terrifies me, but the other part is everything in my company is my fault, no matter how, if I have 750 employees and I hired a manager and then that manager turned around and hired somebody that didn't reflect the company values. That's my fault because I either, I agree with that manager, right? Or I didn't explain my expectations or the values that we should seek in employees. Or I'm not saying it literally is, but
2: that's how I feel. Yeah. You take responsibility for it. Yeah. a hundred percent agree with that. Right. You're the owner and director, right? So everything is your fault or a degree of that. So no, uh, right. no, I okay. agree that's with that. how I approach life. Yep. Going back, let's move on from misery of employee lawsuits for a second. I want to go back to the tool that should not be named. And I'd really, now I would like to see a generated image of glamping units on the side of a volcano. So I really want to see what, what that would look like. So this is interesting.
1: I'll show you this. So what you guys talk while I'm doing this, but I will. I was showing care of this before I generated my background. So I turned, now let me see, I got to share this tab. I actually, is
2: that couch a generated background or is that really your living room? No, this is really my living room because Restream apparently doesn't really, yeah.
1: It's not even my living room. It's my tiny office with my extra couch in it is what it is. But so I trained GPT-4 here on how to understand how to generate prompts in mid-journey, which is what we use for our AI art generation. So this is an example of the advanced things you can do with it and nobody understands how to play with it, right? But so I trained it on all of MidJourney and their entire guide. I just copied and pasted from their website on how to take advantage of the new version five or whatever. And then I trained it on example prompts that people got from the community, not images I created, but images that were great that I liked. Right. And so now I can come down here and say, great. I want you to act as a professional photographer because you understand mid journey. And then I can just literally type a prompt. What I want you to create is a glamping resort on the side. Don't okay volcano you know, and all I have to do is type that and it will understand and write me this rich descriptive prompt that I can use in mid journey
2: I, I want an image right I want I'm an, image. an image this is the, I got to generate the prompt, oh, for the prompt. Image. <laughs> and I want it to be I want it to be a cloudy day with a little bit of sunshine poking through I want the, the side of the volcano to be sheer cliffs okay what do you um, want right now if I'd if like to the
1: side of volcano what is it
2: on a cloudy day with the sun peeking through with a steep grade on the volcano and a winding road all the way from the base, up and around the volcano to get to the resort.
3: Do you own this property?
1: steep <laughs> grade on the volcano with a winding
2: road, what? Up and around the mountain to get to the resort from the base. No, Christine, because nobody would insure it. it.
1: I look good. Family resort on the side of a volcano on a cloudy day with the sun peeking through a steep grade on the volcano with a winding road to get to the resort from the base of the mountain. All right. Now it's going to write a better prompt than that based on that information. But, and then I'm going to take this and put it in discord and injury and we'll get it in. But this is an idea of some of the advanced things that you can do with it. Everybody just goes and types in two words because that's what we've been trained to do in 24 years on Google. So it's really, I
2: didn't type in two words. I gave you some good description. Yeah. You did? Mm-hmm. I haven't. See, I did it to myself. Right? Yeah. I, I brought this back up as my own fault. Mm-hmm. So I still was not right. mentioned, I still not mentioned. It's still not going
3: anywhere. And if anything, it's going to become more prolific. It's my, one of my loggers came to me yeah. the other day in a panic asking, do you think I'm going to still have a job? And I was like, it's going to be a while before it replaces
0: you.
2: <laughs> and then, yeah, i mean, the regulation, et cetera. But where's our image? That's what I really want to see. Image. Go
1: into Discord so you can actually see it generate in real wow.
2: time. Clearly, the tool that should not be named is slow. No. Oh, slow. Can you imagine?
1: Couldn't
0: paint it any quicker. No, I not- have very that.
2: It'll
1: take a minute. Can- like, it takes a minute or two to generate now, but.
2: Now uh, those are, uh, is, that, is that because the user profile, the user census is a lot bigger or just cause it's what, I don't sells. know, this
1: is a brand new one. They just released a week and a half ago for mid journey version five. So it's a little bit slower because of that, but compared to everything like this is still, we're complaining about being slow. This would have taken like months to conceptualize and do even six months ago.
2: Yeah, true. After I see the images, I'm going to hop off so I can. I got another call, but I, now I, now I have to see the results of your work. Do you that's have rude. a name for yours? That's not campy or is it ChatGPT? ChatGPT? Oh, for what? This mid journey thing? Yeah. You don't call it like Rodolfo. Okay. Let's put that in Rodolfo and see who comes back or. No, this isn't my bot. I didn't code this. This is just
0: Right, wait, wait, do you feel like talking about campy? How how's the screen going? We can,
2: there's the
1: images though. They're done. Is that, I don't know if that's, there's a little bit of a winding road here.
0: Oh, I can't see it. I can't see your screen.
1: Oh, you can't see my screen? Oh, that? No. Nope. Oh, sorry. Here we go. I forgot I had to toggle it on. I thought I was sharing the whole time. Sorry. It's so You tiring. gotta make it bigger. I can make it bigger when you tell me. I don't know if I can make it. Can I do this? Orientation not available. I don't know. Like, I, if you pick one that you want, I can blow up one of these images. I can't see. Take the far left corner.
0: Yeah, in the top left corner.
1: Me, so all
0: for since no one will insure it and we can't actually build it, who's gonna invest in building this VR resort to visit with your VR headset?
1: Somebody will for sure, probably AI will. You should see the text to stuff. Like I was playing with text to video, which is going to come out in weeks, it already is, but it's going to come out really good in weeks. I played with a platform that's text to app, so you can. Design and then code the app, which where well, you or could it. with ChatGPT, but in one step you can say what you want; and it'll design you like an entire app for your phone. So eventually, it's going to be that good. So here's the first one, you like this, Mike. Not quite what I envisioned, but yeah, yeah. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Where there is this volcano? Like Honduras. Here's the third one. I don't know. We didn't specify where the volcano was. You have to, like, you have to be descriptive i didn't realize there was so much grass in a volcano and in jungles maybe it is dormant volcano you didn't ask whether you wanted an active volcano true i should have said active volcano that's really what i was thinking like fire coming down the side
0: Mm -hmm.
1: ash right here
2: ash yeah. You could very easily be like, this is real. This looks real. It's awesome. Yeah. No answer to your question, Kara, on our website, for example, our videos are AI generated. So if you didn't know, you wouldn't know, really. They're pretty cool and can't be. We're in the very, very early stages. We actually have a call tomorrow to talk about analytics and what's it doing. And okay. the way I explain it to people is when we first rolled it out, it's like it's in kindergarten. Right. And then we got to teach it and learn it. And then a couple of weeks later, it's in middle school, And then a couple of weeks later, it's in high school. And right now I think my opinion is if it's in college, right? It's still yeah. doing well, hasn't graduated yet. And it's certainly we're tweaking it. It's fun. And so I would say 80% of the time, the answers are very good, very effective. And the other 20% of the time, it's gotta be clarified or they're not perfect or clear. And then obviously the ultimate part, is it cool? Who cares? Maybe the geek nerds care, but from a business owner standpoint, why do we want it? How do you monetize it? That's, I think mine and Brian's ultimate goal is in a couple months, we understand what level of efficiency does it provide so that it, you know, chases out Christine's law clerks, but could it be more efficient so that your, your guest service representatives are spending more time with your guests? That the reservationists are fully focused on being able to book more business because they don't have to field questions. And so that's what I think we're trying to identify in the first 90, 120 days is how many chats, how many inquiries, how much time do we think it's saved? And then putting a value to that to understand, is it driving either productivity or revenue that's. To me, that's the number one outcome of it, other than just being cool. And we know,
1: know it is already. Like the question is, what does that growth trajectory look like? That's what interests me. Because right now I think a lot of people don't want to interact with chatbots because they think they suck. Right. For the last five or six years, they have sucked. And yeah. so it's going to be interesting to me, the more these pop up on all these different sites, like Delta, will add one and Coca-Cola and all the airlines and all the like Marriott, the more people get used to, oh, these don't suck anymore, how, What is that chat volume then? I feel like it's going to go up really fast.
0: I'm curious to know, Christine, from your perspective, do you foresee any potential hurdles with concerns around providing wrong answers and maybe the right, not the best information on these channels? Bye. Thank you.
2: See you guys. Bye.
0: Yeah. So I actually think it's really
3: interesting. someone's going to be the test case. I think two, two venues where I see issues. One, right now we're utilizing other things. So I know if you're building something separately, the license to use, it'll be interesting. A lot of people are using free programs right now that just give you this stuff. I see an eventuality where we monetize that. And the other one would be, if you answered the phone for me as my employee and gave bad information, I'd be held liable for that because you're my agent. Yeah. Are we going to say that these chats are the agents of these businesses? I could see someone saying that they, if they relied on that information and it was incorrect to their detriment. Yeah. Right. Someone's going to test it. I don't want to be it, but I think <laughs> someone's joined it. but I don't know what it will look
1: like. That's part of the legal framework that we need from people like you, Christine. Like we have this generic thing on the bottom of very of all of our client but i'm just pulling up Verde because we were just talking about it hold on i can't find it now but anyway we have terms and conditions there are somewhere that i'll find i just don't know the link to it but i'll find it in a second
0: We we, definitely can't find it
1: that's (laughs) the problem and all that we can't find it the ai probably took it down yeah but yeah we have i can't find it right now but we have it on our insider brooks website and all that kind of stuff part of that is
3: going to be like, I imagine when we talk about the validity yeah. of e-signatures, for example, on, like, documents, mm-hmm. we talked about that they have to have to stop text that they have to acknowledge in some fashion. So I can't generally just say, oh, they agreed to this waiver because they posted on my website. If they have collected something, either made them shit a button or wrote in their initial. So I couldn't foresee something like, I know right now when a chat window pops up, sometimes you have have to put your name in or whatever to use it. I could see something like, oh, when they put their name in, they're agreeing to link to this disclaimer and they can't talk to that bot until they put their name in saying they agree to that. Maybe that'll do it. Again, like we are what we call at least in yeah, it's this part of the world of <laughs> common law systems. So people are gonna have to test it out. And until there are laws. That were well, it's, I
1: mean, it's going to be years before that happens but this of is the best course. we can do right now is the yeah. terms and conditions that are written like this and then they're down here on the bottom of every chat and then you disclose i'm an ai i'm an ai i'm an ai
3: yeah i would i would honestly i was thinking about this maybe and maybe this isn't doable but i remember using so like our i legal software it's i want to use their chat feature for i have to fill out like a little before I like open the box, where I put my name like that, which stops me from using it before I do that. I think it's probably they want some internal record. It's not for liability at this point. But I could see that kind of being the norm for these that it forced them, whether they, they actually read the terms or not, but forced them to read them or say that they read them before they chat with the AI. Maybe that's the solution because we load them down i literally can't force you to read a contract even if i print it out and put it in front of your face but if i did all of the things possible to delay you such that you were given opportunity and things like that i think i'd be much stronger than i had to of my own initiative click a separate
0: to get to that
3: i don't know it will be interesting you're right i try to get to a real representative as quickly as possible but it's okay. And I'm like, all sorts.
1: You of stop them helpful because the menu systems on the phone aren't helpful, but they're about to be. Imagine the scenario where you call the customer service representative on the phone, and you're bounced between seven departments because they're all specialized in their department and only told you can answer a question. But the AI will know the whole company, you right. mm-hmm. systems, and be able to now. That's
3: not it alleviated the whole time that I spend on phone, but really appreciate it. I'm always, I'm, I'm excited for what technology will add instead of what it takes away if it's but even in my profession i know there's a lot of wormy worms about people it People always get nervous whenever a new thing comes comes out but like we were so resistant to technology i'd still have to go drive down to the courthouse library to look up things and be able to use the case software so there there's always benefits and i was actually talking to another attorney in another state recently about how she was using even the free version of chat GPT to help her narrow down for research, she was like, it first gave me things from pre-2018 when the law changed in 2018, So then I had to educate it. No, only give me things post-2018. So there's still a knowledge piece to how like we talk, have to know enough to ask the right question, but she said like the search term she would have used were so broad that even with the traditional terms and connectors.
1: Goes back to the thing we've been trained in Google to talk, type in two that words. Are, that to it get was. Results, right?
3: to get the right result. So that's going to change them
1: so yeah. fast. Like, this is a company, and I don't, I'm not going to play this whole video, but this is a company that does customer led AI on the phone already. Now, listen to how real yes. this sounds.
3: Hi, I was expecting a package today, but I was out and it wasn't delivered. I have a concierge. edge. you contact the driver and I him know to deliver with them next time?
0: I'm afraid we can't deliver your parcel to reception. It's for security reasons. Would you like to rearrange your delivery for another day? Well, kind of- I'm calling to make an appointment with Dr. Garcia. My name is Siobhan Murphy.
1: And it understands. One you see second. what it's understanding and pulling from a database? Okay, I've got your records here. Can this
2: confirm your date of birth, please?
0: It's the 20th of March, 1993.
2: That's great. Okay, there's an appointment on July 13th. Does that work for you?
3: And
1: that's available today. Like,
3: you can oh, yeah. go buy this right now. Let us, like, ADAPT, ADOPT. I think it's so helpful. Even when I actually was having this conversation with a... With one of our paralegals recently, who has never actually been camping herself. she's like, how do people keep track of all this stuff? I was like, oh, we have software now. And I was like, pause on that. like that's, me. When you first, when we first even just took reservations for Canberra, we were doing it. Paper. Like you had a big paper, like art with paper. And I can't even imagine doing that now. But, but I'm sure say that but I do know there are still some campgrounds now who are resistant to adopting reservation software I talk to them but I get it but embracing change is cool like I said I never want to be the test case I'll let most people ferret out what the problems are there's already been some unauthorized practice of law with people trying to use AI to help them be an attorney and there still has to be an actual attorney there we'll figure out how that works in our system but embrace it like when we had our first two campgrounds, the idea of text messaging your guest updates and realize things were happening, was yeah. never in my, I never would have imagined. It the thing, thing is, this happened. is a
1: shortcut. And the more you like, this is why I'm so, not a, I'm obsessed with it, let's be fair, but like, this is why I'm so pushing it so hard with people is because this is happening at a speed that we have never seen anything happen in the history of the universe. And it is only going to get faster every single day. And you can use, like at a law firm, you can use this to speed up your processes. I was talking to a patent attorney yesterday about something that I might invent. And then the the other, last week I was talking to my accountant and we were just looking about deductions and because I have such a complex, like I have a US, two US businesses and a Canadian business. And then one I own personally, and we just were typing into, I was typing in GPT-4, what are some uncommon deductions that would work with this blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, I didn't think about that. She knew it, but it shortcutted her response be able to think about those different things. And it's not like I needed, I never want to cut her out of the loop, but if we can help people use these things, then it makes them more efficient. It sometimes can increase their margins, help them serve more people better. I think the people that are going to win initially are the people who adopt this, the lawyers who are willing to adopt this tech, the accountants who are willing to. Because I was telling my patent lawyer the same thing yesterday. I said, at some point, your customers are going to look at you and be like, my friend Johnny uses the firm across the, the way. And he got his document back in an hour and a half. How come it took two and a half weeks? And then they're going to leave your firm.
3: Sure. Absolutely. Well, again, embrace technology. Don't stay away from it. There's going to be bugs. You don't have to be the first adopter, but I wouldn't be an no. early adopter. I've been watching their four law firms in particular. There's an AI that a firm in London has adopted across all their offices that I definitely put myself on the wait list to learn more about it because I'm curious. And frankly, I not that I'm trying to chase away business, but I understand, as was every piece of it, that we're merely line items in the overall picture. And if I can do it quicker for them, because all I sell is my time, then they have more money to buy another cabin or invest in some cool feature that drives more people to their park. Or throw more money at Brian so he can do a better job on their website or something, whatever it is. So I think that's okay. It's going to change and there will be different veins for different people. And I actually, I guess, is a good way to wrap up this whole thing. You started today by talking about being a generalist and things like that. And what I had thought of and what popped in my head at the time is I work at what I call a general practice law firm, which means we don't only do one type of thing like I don't really do litigation I don't really do transactional so a lot of people would argue because you're a generalist you're not great at any specific thing but where I think the specificity for me is like an industry right like I'm very knowledgeable about how those things impact outdoor hospitality I don't know how they impact running a pest company or something like that but I know what that means for a campground And I think by being able to utilize this stuff to marry with your knowledge, it will help people be generalists and people feel comfort in working with people they know. So if they can come to me for more things than they could before, because I'm willing to adopt technology, I think that's a win for everybody and a generalist will.
1: Yeah. And I think that uh, I've got this up here for a reason, right? And I know we don't have a lot of time to touch on it, but this is about to be the most fundamental shift that you've ever seen in your life right here with AI. This is, if you haven't seen this yet, and I have beta access to it, it's not publicly available. These are ChatGPT plugins. They literally last week, or I think a week and a half ago, maybe announced it. And there's only eight apps in here right now. These ones, or maybe there's a little bit more Wolfram Alpha, Speak, Open Table, whatever. But this is the new app store. There's literally no reason to have an app in the app store unless you're playing a game or doing something that this is the new interface. So, what this can do now, is you can build an app for this, just Instacart and Expedia has, and you can talk to ChatGPT in natural language right here, and you can select these plugins, and it will look for real-time prices on Expedia. It will be able to book restaurant reservations for you by just saying book a table. It will connect to your OpenTable account and make you a reservation. You can ask it for a vegan meal plan and the ingredients that you need, and it will put the items in your Instacart cart, and it will order them for you. This is it right here. You're looking at the website that you're going to come to for 92% of things. This is it.
3: Wouldn't it be cool if our campground reservation company is into that? So people yep. can do that.
1: I've already proposed it to one. I'm just waiting for them to let me do it because we have developer access to build it.
3: I mean, yeah i don't know i'm excited but i'm always excited i always want to see the new thing that happened. i might be doom and gloom when i tell people about business operations, willing to adopt new things i'm for it and it when i have cool. conversation i'd rather I mean, stuff be accessible to people so if this is a way for more people to get the health thingy let's go yeah. for
1: it you can chain them all together too you can say come up with a meal plan and then book me a flight to do what and it'll do it all in three steps right in a row well i guess they're yeah. coming
3: you guys and we're going out to eat so i can use it for traveling to canada and nothing booking us a restaurant yeah it's You're an thinking?
1: interesting world we live in so i yeah i know i sound paranoid and like i'm moving too fast and that nobody understands what i'm talking about but i can barely keep up with this stuff
0: yeah so. no well, anyway
1: thank you guys i appreciate you joining us for another episode of mc fireside chats we still to be never say the word the whole episode
0: i don't think so I have no idea. But any other way, we're getting there. We put it up on the screen now.
1: Okay. Thank you guys. Take care. Have a good week. Thanks.
0: Chat soon. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara sismadia Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.